You're listening to Community Radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's Friday, October 28th, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Some of the world's largest oil companies are beginning to sell off assets in California. And while that may sound like good news, critics point out that these sales to smaller and less well-funded companies could result in more wells being abandoned when no longer productive, ultimately leaving taxpayers with the cleanup bill. The California Report has the story. After weekend weather, Felton Pruitt talks with Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dave Mason. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office says someone broke into the Pelosi residence in San Francisco this morning and violently assaulted the Speaker's husband. The Congresswoman's spokesman says the person who assaulted Paul Pelosi is in custody. Paul Pelosi was taken to the hospital and is recovering. Speaker Pelosi was not in San Francisco at the time. The Speaker's representative says the motivation for the attack is under investigation. San Diego's county jail system, which has been heavily scrutinized over the number of in-custody deaths it's had in recent years, is launching a pilot program to help its most medically vulnerable inmates. The county has purchased 10 health monitoring devices, which work similar to fitness trackers. This comes after a scathing state audit earlier this year, citing San Diego as having the highest jail mortality rate among California's largest counties. Paul Parker, executive officer for the county's Citizens Law Enforcement Review Board, says this is a good start for the department. We're very happy that we made the recommendation back in April for them to explore just these type of options and that the department is committed to doing what it can do to prevent the loss of lives in the the incarcerated population. But Parker says the department hasn't done enough to curb overdoses in the jail system, which is becoming a growing problem. In a statement, the sheriff's department says it wants to wait until deputies are trained in using these new monitors before launching the program. Some major oil companies recently sold thousands of aging wells in California to smaller players in the industry. This has environmentalists worried that those smaller firms won't be able to pay what it'll cost to close them down when the time comes. And then taxpayers will be left to foot the bill. KCRW's Megan Jamerson explains. When an oil well is no longer producing enough to be profitable, it's eventually shut down. But loopholes in the bankruptcy code and other regulations make it possible, in some cases, for oil companies to walk away from their properties. In an example reported by the LA Times and ProPublica, one small company left more than 700 wells for the state to plug after the owner declared bankruptcy. Shell and ExxonMobil recently sold more than 23,000 aging wells in California to a small German firm. And some industry experts, lawmakers, and environmentalists raised concerns that the liability was being passed on to a company without the capital to afford shutdowns, and that the state's oil industry could follow the path of the coal industry, leaving the state to pay the cleanup bill. That was KCRW's Megan Jamerson reporting. A spokesperson for Shell and ExxonMobil says they've been plugging about 1,000 wells a year on average and meeting or exceeding standards for doing so. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. 
This week, as part of a collaboration with the podcast Bay Curious, a ghost story for Halloween. It comes from reporter and former KQED science editor John Brooks, who usually lives in the world of evidence, facts, and data. But many years ago, John and his longtime friend Mark witnessed something inexplicable, even supernatural, that just can't be squared with reality. In 1995, Mark and his girlfriend, I'll call her Kim, are visiting me in my small apartment in San Francisco near Haight Street. Mark and Kim are all excited because Mark has just proposed and they're now engaged. So there's a lot of high spirits in the room, some drinking, and I suggest we play with this Ouija board I had picked up at a garage sale. The Ouija board, as you probably know, is thought by some people to put you in touch with spirits, dead people, during a kind of seance. The board has letters on it, and it comes with a heart-shaped piece of plastic with a translucent window in the middle. That's called a planchette. Two people lightly touch the planchette, and spirits are supposed to move it so that it shows letters through the window and spells out messages. I had been wanting to try this Ouija board, but most of my friends thought it was stupid. The board at the time was made by Parker Brothers, which also made the games Monopoly and Clue. So it was hard to take it seriously as a connection to the realm of the dead. Nevertheless, I like spooky things. I didn't necessarily believe them, but who knows? Mark and Kim thought it would be fun as well. As we start, Kim and I are facing each other across the board and we both have our eyes closed. Mark is on the couch watching, and one of us, I don't remember who, starts calling out to any spirits in the vicinity. Hello, anybody out there? That kind of thing. At some point, I do feel the planchette start to move under my fingers. I'm not aware I'm applying pressure on it. It just feels like my fingers really know where they want to go. And while this is happening, Mark starts to talk. The planchette, I can feel it moving, stopping, moving, stopping. And Mark is saying things in response. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. It's like he's on the phone and I can only hear his side of the conversation. Eventually, we stop. I open my eyes. And there is Mark. In tears. I mean, he is shaken. He collapses into Kim's arms, and he says, tearfully, I think I just talked to a dead relative. The spooky tale continues on this week's Halloween edition of the California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or to the magazine's podcast. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes, more at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Friday, October 28th. 
We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Seal Moeller, Chris Beal, Paul Lancor, and Brendan Willard. Our producers are Keith Misaguchi, Amanda Stupai, Juan Carlos Lara, Izzy Bloom, and Jennifer Ng. Our editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Adi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Now let's look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight's low temperature will be 44 degrees. Saturday will be sunny with a high near 69 and a low around 44. Sunday will be sunny, warming to a high near 73. Today's AQI average was 37, satisfactory, posing little or no risk. The average AQI today for Truckee was around 22, and tonight's low temperature will be around 25 degrees. On Saturday, the Truckee Tahoe area will be sunny with a high near 59, becoming mostly clear in the evening with a low around 24. On Sunday, it will be sunny with a high near 61. Moving to Sacramento, tonight will be cloudy during the early evening before gradually clearing with a low around 45. Saturday will be mostly sunny with a high near 74 and a low around 46. On Sunday, the valley will be sunny and warm with temperatures in the high 70s. The AQI average in Sacramento today was 39. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dave Mason has been making music for over five decades and still plays over 100 shows a year. He's a founding member of the band Traffic and has also played with the Rolling Stones, both George Harrison and Paul McCartney of the Beatles, and Jimi Hendrix. He's currently on tour, and Felton Pruitt caught up with him recently. We're talking with Dave Mason, a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who is out on the World in Changes tour. He'll be coming to our area at the Crest Theater in Sacramento on Wednesday, November 16th at 8 o'clock. Hey, Dave, it's wonderful to chat with you. Uh, thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You've been, well, you've been anywhere for quite a while, uh, in the music world anyway, and I imagine just uh, metaphysically as well. Uh, pretty much almost the last 60 years, so yeah. When folks come out to the Crest Theater on Wednesday, November 16th, they're going to see Dave Mason with a full band, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. What kind of band do you have together, and what kind of shows are you putting on? Well, um, my other guitar player, full band, drummer, keyboards, bass player, a great band. And we pretty much go through, uh, you know, well, obviously there are obviously going to be things in there that people sometimes want to hear, but is not there can't do everything it's been it's been a lot of it's been a long career so but mostly stuff from obviously from my solo albums the uh, things like only you know and i know feeling all right we just disagree and then i revisit some traffic stuff kind of a re- little bit rearranged kind of updated it put it more in, in the way i would do it and basically that's it a couple of the other uh, members do some stuff uh, my guitar player, Johnny Sambatero, does a killer version of uh, Can't Find My Way Home. So we just sort of, you know, 
We try to go out there and have fun musically. What makes it fun for you musically still when you're out on stage? Well, my, I mean, I'm essentially a guitar player. Singing is something that just, you know, <laughs> when I was younger, you had to learn the new songs of the day to get, you know, gigs in the pub or something. So, so singing was sort of the secondary for me. I'm, you know, guitar is what I love doing. Yeah. So that's it fresh. And I have enough stuff in there musically so that, I mean, I guess I I'm pick a lot of things that give me a chance to stretch out on electric guitar. And so that means I, you know, things are somewhat, they're never the same every night. Let's put it that way. So you leave enough room for spontaneity. Do you always have a guitar in your hand when you're not, when you're just hanging around the house or walking around the yard no. or whatever? <laughs> no, I, it, no, I don't, it, I don't do that. I pick it up. I pick it up pretty much every day, but, but no. When you were a young kid, did you have it in your hand all the time when you were, you were learning? Yes, I did. I even took it to school. Took my, my art, the art teacher for our art class. I said, you know, can I just bring this and practice in art class? Do you remember what kind of guitar was it? Was it an old Stella or something? Or Oh, God. My first guitar was, was a Mayfair. I, I doubt whether they're even in business anymore. So that... Then I had a Goya tone. Finally, I got my Stratocaster, which is what I wanted. Yeah. Well, you're recognized as one of the great guitarists in rock and roll. Who were your influences that made you want to even try to pick a guitar when you were young? My first influence was Hank Marvin. I'm not even familiar. Educate me. No, well, that's the problem. I mean, the, Hank Marvin was the lead guitar player for The Shadows. Okay. And The Shadows were huge all over the world, except here in America. I mean, literally, Far East, Japan, all of Europe. And then how did that come to be? Did you just want to be in a rock band like all the other kids in school, or were you unique and I wanted to be like Hank Marvin? Well, yeah, I wanted to be Hank Marvin. Uh, but, um, well, I basically, I just figured that, I, you know, I wasn't going to be... I didn't qualify to do what I really wanted to do when I was really young, which is join the Royal Air Force. How come you didn't qualify to join the Royal Air Force? My my math skills are not great. I don't have a head for numbers. I mean, I can add, subtract, and divide pretty quick, but, you know. Do you still look at that at this point in your life as something missed out on? Not really. I mean, I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time, take, you know, flying, taking um, flying lessons, got 20 hours in helicopters, but I I kind of gave it up because it's something you you either you do it or, you know, it's... You can't just be a weekend warrior up there. Yeah, so you don't have a pilot's license now? No. We're talking with Dave Mason, who is uh, coming to the Crest Theater on Wednesday, November 16th. You know, I was going through your website, and I saw some nonprofits that you supported, two of them specifically, Rock Our Vets and Sophie's Mission. Can you talk about them for a moment? Uh, yeah, Rock Our Vets is um, a friend of mine and I started a long time, well, quite a while back. Basically, we support... We support mostly veterans, uh, military ver veterans, but we also actually support all uniformed services, police, fire, uh, whatever, and try to supply things that they might need. Sophie's uh, Choices is, is a new, with a, uh, a long-time friend of mine who's been in radio for years, and he had a daughter with autism, and their uh, new HD radio is starting up, and we are looking to 
actually take on people with autism or other dysfunctional abilities that, uh, and teach them how to be DJs. We're starting new HD radio, and um, that's, that's the plan. It's a win-win all around. It's great for the, those with autism or any other disabilities, and it's great for the musicians because, you know, radio basically, especially terrestrial radio, the old days when there were DJs and they'd play new stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's a win for the musicians, too. We need to get back to uh, promoting. I mean, I don't really put out new stuff anymore. There's nowhere to promote it. So, Well, I would encourage people to go to your website because there's a bunch of cool new stuff. It seems like new stuff there. Well, there are there's things on my website that I put if people want to download stuff, yes. I was looking at a new marble vinyl package of Alone Together Again. Yeah. It said 200-gram pressing. Now, that's a heavy record. I did it in a marble sort of vinyl, not exactly like the original. Uh, whether there are any of those left, I don't know. <laughs> you have to break down a whole press just to do those. And then do you put out you put out single tracks? Like I was looking at something called Freshest Tracks Straight from the Studio, and you had Sleepwalk up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, when I'm home, I noodle around in my studio. I have a, I have a whole bunch of things here that I guess I'll slowly trickle out there people are interested and then there's uh, the book are finally uh, I got I got finally badgered into writing a book which we started over a year ago so that's supposedly coming out in May of 2023 and uh, properly titled only you know and I know okay um, and I believe there are, you can advance order it on I think it's up on Amazon already how long ago was it that you put out Rock and Soul Review with Steve Cropper? Oh, that's a while. That's been at least five years. Yeah. That must have been yeah, fun that, for you two guitar that's players. A good live out. Yeah, well, I was, you know, we were always fans of, of Booker T and the MGs. I mean, they they played on, I mean, they backed so many artists. They're on so many great records. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, the play was, was great to do that. Well, Dave, can we dig back into your early days? For you and working with Steve Winwood, did that start with the Spencer Davis group, or did that not happen till Traffic? Well, actually, I, it started with it actually started with the Spencer Davis group. I, I was actually out on the sort of a quasi-roadie there for about three months before Steve finally left, and we started Traffic. I sang on three Spencer Davis records, Somebody Help Me, Give Me Some Lovin', and I'm a Man. Yeah, I was noticing that. So you were kind of part of the Spencer Davis group for a bit. Well, I was, like I said, it was more from, it was more from hanging out with Steve and his uh, desire to start something new. I was reading also that uh, you guys never, you didn't make London your home. You moved out to what was it called, Berkshire, and and that's yeah. kind of where you hung out. Now, what was the what was different about that? Was everyone else just in London and you guys wanted to be out in the country? Because I'm not even familiar with what Berkshire was. Well, we're just, we just, we needed somewhere to be away from everything to figure out what the hell we were going to do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so, yeah, we found a cottage that was out in the middle of the countryside, in the middle, and there was nobody there. In fact, there was no, no electricity and no running water when we moved in there. Kind of tough to record. Well, we weren't recording. We just needed a place to be yeah. to figure out what, what we were going to do. And what came out of that? What would you? How would you describe what came out of that? Traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Which, you know, you, you talk to a young kid today, and, and not a lot of people remember what traffic was, but it was one of the more important cogs in the wheel that was, you know, rock and roll at that time. Well, we were, I guess, looking back, I classified it as we were, we were probably one of the original alternate bands. Very diverse music taste. And, of course, you also, you didn't uh, just stick with Traffic. Well, you left Traffic after a couple of years, and then you kind of went back and forth and were, played them on and off for the next few years, didn't you? I, uh, I left after the first album and then uh, came back and wrote half the second album. And then I moved on, and then I moved to America. And then I uh, hooked up with Delaney and Bonnie, played guitar with them for a couple of years. And started my solo album, Alone Together. Yeah. You also, I guess back in England, you also were on a lot of legendary stuff. I mean, you were on Beggar's Banquet with the Stones, weren't yeah. you? Uh, yeah, I played on Street Fighting Man. And then I'm looking played, down. Uh, played acoustic guitar and some other things with Hendrix. On, uh, I played on Watchtower. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sang on Crosstown Traffic. And you were on uh, George's uh, All Things Must Pass album, too. Got all things must pass. Produced an uh, produced an album for a group called The Family, uh, Music in a Doll's House. Put out the first stereo single. Talk about that. Well, just basically, I'd been between sort of the first Traffic album, the second one, up doing other things. One of them was making. I made a single. It's kind of a. It's a, it's a strange little song called Little Woman with Indian percussion on it. But it was the first stereo single called Compatible Stereo. Okay. So you had to have a special player to play it right? No. No? You oh. just, oh, it'll play on mono, but oh. you, you had stereo, you got it in stereo. Wow. What kind of innovations are you into now, or are you just enjoying the ride? I'm just, you know, my big passion right now is remodeling this new place that we live in here in northern Nevada. That's my... That's my uh, that's my big project at the moment, and the rest is just make you know make music when I'm home, have a little studio and and going out as long as I can stand up and play and hold a guitar. I guess I'll just go out there and play shows as long as people want to will come. You know I love playing. Don't like traveling too much anymore, but I like to play. Well, we like to hear you, so I think it's a good combination. Yeah. Well, well good. Yeah. Good. But, <laughs> If you like just great straight up music, if you know, then it's it, Dave Mason is a show to see. If you if you're looking for smoke bombs and dancers and fireworks, this is not this is not the show. <laughs> All right. Well, the straight up Dave Mason's coming to the Crest Theater in Sacramento on Wednesday, November sixteenth. He's got a Halloween show at the Belly Up in Solano Beach, and I see also some freight and salvage shows in in Berkeley on Friday, November fourth and Sunday, yeah. November 6th, and up at the Cascade Theater in Reading on Tuesday, November 15th, right before you come to the Crest Theater in Sacramento on the 16th. So we wish you the best on your tour, Dave, and look forward to having you in our area soon. Well, look forward to it. Thank you. KVMR gets support from MEC Builds. Nevada County Roofing Contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley. 
mecbuilds.com. And Serino's at Main Street, serving Italian cuisine since 1983. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 11 to 10 p.m. for lunch and dinner. Offering private dining snugs for customer safety and comfort. Information, Serino's at MainStreet.com. Thanks for supporting Community Radio. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a great weekend.